Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher. And I'm Scott Galloway. Uh, let's get straight to the biggest TV event of the summer. Uh, the season finale of Divorce? No. No. Nobody watches that. Who watches that? People who have been divorced. I've been divorced. I don't watch that show. It's pretty good. Try again. What happened yesterday in Washington, D.C.? Yeah, yeah, I know. But you know what freedom is? Bill Maher had the great term. He was talking about the happiest nations in the world. Seven of the ten of them are socialists. And it's not only happiness isn't about what you have. (laughs) It's also about your freedom from certain fears. And in these socialist countries, they're free from the absence of knowing, okay, your wife has lung cancer, which is awful, but then you have freedom from this fear. Well, that also means I'm going to be bankrupt. But the reason I bring this up is that a definition of freedom in my view, as a week goes by and you haven't thought about your leader. And I think about all these autocratic nations that are constantly <laughs> in their population's face all the time. And yeah. I think about the leaders I admire, Merkel, Thatcher, uh, Obama. And you know what they all had in common? They weren't in our fucking what? face every day. We didn't have to think. I think Margaret Thatcher was. Margaret Thatcher? Oh, no. not There were uh, months would go all by right. that you wouldn't have to think about <laughs> Margaret Thatcher. <laughs> Whereas, All right. what is it literally with Trump? It's like my eight-year-old when he doesn't exercise and he just like, okay, he starts hitting his brother and, and you know, eating, you know, eating detergent and like, look at me, look at me. <laughs> Anyways. All I'm right. Look at it. Robert Mueller. Guess what? It was about Trump. I'm sorry to tell you, but there was important testimony, especially because according to the New York Times, quote, Mr. Mueller has made little secret of his belief that the public has not fully grasped the elaborate and targeted nature of Russia's attacks on the 2016 elections that were detailed in his report, nor has the government taken sufficient steps yeah. to address or prevent such an assault from occurring again. Amid all the politics, to me, that was the critical, the critical stuff. Hundred percent. It was like, have you, do, do you know Gary Larson is that cartoonist, and he talks about. Uh, yes, I do. What you know, what you say to dogs, Ginger, go get the ball, Ginger, and what Ginger hears, Ginger, blah blah blah, Ginger, blah blah blah. And all I could right. hear was a bunch of blah blah, except for two things. One, a guy who's been standing watch for our country for literally fifty years, and who. Very smart people from both sides of the aisle have decided we should keep this guy standing watch. He has probably more respect, more credibility, more domain expertise than almost anyone trying to protect our country. And his opening statements were, look, folks, distinct of the politics that are about to unfold here, what the Russians have done here is one of the most concerning things I have seen, and all Americans should be very focused on it. And the second thing I heard was when Representative Buck asked him if the president could be prosecuted after he left office, and the answer was yes. Mm-hmm. Anyways, those are my two gingers. Yeah. Well, okay, let's talk about the Russians because I think that's – I just had a very long and interesting uh, podcast with Larry Diamond who's written a book called Ill Winds yeah. um, about uh, the attacks by Russia and uh, the incursions by the Chinese and American complacency. Sure. One of the things that really struck me about the coverage of the Mueller hearings was not – was exactly that, the last part, American complacency. Everything was about whether he was addled. I think that was what many of the reporters were trying to get to. Is there something wrong with him? from an age point of view. I think that's what they were driving at. And also Trump, you know, sort of doing a ridiculous uh, juvenile victory dance over it. Um, So it got pulled and mired into politics when the real point is the Russians are coming and they're here and they're still doing the same damage, no matter who they're voting for, which is obviously Trump, which which, which Mueller made very clear. uh, We've got to do something about this. Yeah, I just I got so just personally I found the term is I just found it so upsetting. I mean, Robert Mueller or Director Mueller, seventy three. I hope I'm. Mm-hmm. He's almost seventy five, actually. He's seventy five. Okay, I I yeah. hope I'm that. I hope I am that shaky when I am seventy five. I hope I am that. Mm-hmm. 
you know, the, the fact that they would find purchase in saying anything disparaging about that guy. You know, here are some questions they should have asked him. Were you voted best athlete in your high school across three different sports? <laughs> Were you, after your friend was killed in the Quangtri province, did you decide to voluntarily enlist? Were you awarded the Medal of Valor? I mean, this guy was decorated, shot in the thigh, returned, was awarded a, a commendation for bravery after rescuing a platoon member in a firefight that wounded half of his staff and then returned to the nation to continue to serve. You know, Devin Nunes, Sean Hannity, Chris Wallace, who find purchase and being critical in any way of Robert Mueller. Well, you know what? Captain Mueller has pieces of better men in his crap. <laughs> okay, exactly. I don't know if he eats people, Scott, but you're right. But what was interesting is that it just got sucked. He got sucked right. I was thinking this morning, this man who deserves a lot of honor has just been pulled down yeah. in the same ways. And, uh, you know, I was watching Twitter about him and I was like, you know, they were hoping that he would be the savior. There was no there's no savior in this except for the warning message, which he has, which is that we're getting played by the Russians. Essentially, we're getting played by them beautifully. And we're even pulling down people like this. So it was very uh, – I felt sad. and It was hugely upsetting. I had trouble even watching the thing. Let's get to something happier. I listened to your three podcasts of the interviews of the presidential candidates. Yeah. And first Mm -hmm. off, you're actually a fairly competent interviewer. I'll give you that. You're actually – you're pretty (laughs) good. I mean you still got some learning, (laughs) but you're pretty good. Uh, So I'm going to just give you a viewpoint. So one – you know, I walk away feeling the same way about Senator Bennett. If we're going to kick this guy out. We had the only way you replace a president kind of mid-cycle or after one term is for something totally different. And in my view, mm-hmm. Michael Bennett represents that because he's demonstrates brains, character and empathy of which are seem to have been mm-hmm. starched from the White House. But I just walk yep. away the same. I walked away from your podcast with Andrew Yang uh, liking yep. him more. This guy. I thought you would. He is a clear I- blue flame thinker. I mean, that guy has some yep. interesting ideas. And unlike some of these other yahoos that have jumped into the race because, you know, they're, they're billionaires and white, I think he's going to inject into the bloodstream some very interesting conversations around ideas that yep. we weren't talking about before. I learned a lot. Universal basic income, $3 trillion, but a trillion you. and a half is already being paid. He talks about the multiplier effect, the fact that it could free people up to start businesses, focus on their health, and that it would be a net economic benefit. It really got me thinking. So thank you for that. I, no problem. Shockingly, and Mayor Pete was kind of my number two, my sort of mistress in the waiting, if you will. Uh, I came away. <laughs> okay. I liked Mayor Pete less. Uh, yeah. I thought he I, came I across as a little bit awkward. I don't like this. Um, I forget what it is. He's proposing something almost for reparations, an act to provide yeah. reparations yeah, the, to the um, black community. Uh, I yes, find that yes, pandering the, and uh, political because the bottom line is the black mm-hmm. community has been slow to embrace the gay community or the LGBT community. Yep. So I found that a bit pandering and political. And I also think I worry that anything like that only uh, kind of fans the fuels of discrimination when we affirmative act. I think affirmative action should be income-based, not race-based, which gets to the same thing, given that Latino and black households have an average wealth of 20,000 versus white households at 160. But anyways, I came away a little less impressed with Mayor Pete. Do you, did you feel the same? I did. I did. I thought he wasn't on his best. I think he doesn't have as much a technology background. So it was harder because it was focused on technology. I think he was mixing up some stuff, some concepts. But definitely, I think if he felt younger. I, I don't know, or less experience. I, I really was struck by Andrew Yang. Yeah. And the reason was I read his book and I thought these are some. Now, look, not everything he's done has been perfect. His his fund that he's working on hasn't been as successful. You know, he's right. he's but he's trying out new ideas that are somewhat compelling. And so what I wanted to get 
get from is a lot of the coverage of him has been like crazy Andrew yeah. with his like space mirrors, which, by the way, is not such a bad idea. Like space mirrors is kind of a good idea. So they like try. I think the press, the political press, at least tries to paint him as this sort of wacky Silicon Valley outsider. And so my first line is, I've been here forever. I haven't seen you. So I don't know why they think that I was trying to get at the media covering him yeah. like he's a he, and he's got some percentages. He's got one or two percent. I forget. He's got like a lot more than others. And some of his ideas about UBI is the, it's the smartest arguments I've heard around UBI yeah. as yet. So I wanted to get those out and sort of the concepts around innovation, which I thought was important. And I, I like it. I like him personally. I'm not so thrilled with his his Yang gang. I have to say they're a little bit abusive. Yeah. Like we didn't do a video of it. It's because it wasn't my event. I was there at a San Francisco place. And they, they had these conspiracy theories about why we videotape Mayor Pete over Andrew Yang. And it was just like redonk. Like they're a little bit like – T- twitchy on Twitter. Well, let's uh, be honest. The Yang gang. And I get, I get, they love him, but oh, come on, let's, you know, let, back the fuck off. Let's dudes, be honest. Mayor Pete has better hair. That that just equals video. <laughs> that just equals video. By the way, space well, mirrors? I have all, more coming, and you're going to be in one. I can't wait. But wait, just a quick pause for a brief out on space what? mirrors. If you need, if you yeah. were going to try and meet the just the incremental needs of energy consumption over the next thirty years with solar power, you would have to cover the surface of the Earth with solar panels. And you can do it mm-hmm. with like one fortieth in space with space mirrors because the ozone or the atmosphere doesn't screen out the power of the sun. So I think space mirrors are actually pretty cool. I'm sounding very it's, Elon Musk it's, right it's now. It's a cool idea. It it's a cool the kind idea. of thinking we there need. There you go. It's a it's breakthrough a really- thinking. The breakthrough thinking. All right. Another thing, speaking of breakthrough thinking, is the immigration battles continue. But a a, a pro-immigration group called New American Economy says that immigrants and their kids founded 45 percent of the U.S. Fortune 500 companies. Fortune 500 company employees founded by immigrants and their children employ 1.3 million people. And the average employee employ 11 percent more people than the average Fortune 500 company with a non-immigrant founder. Um, These companies brought in $6.1 trillion in annual revenue last year. This anyone in Silicon Valley sees this like pretty much. Many, many, many of the companies are founded by immigrants. They have a heavy immigrant population working for them. You know, this this sort of this demonization of immigrants just continues nonstop. Yeah, I I get that. But like all of these problems, they're tough and they're nuanced. And while we need a lot more legal immigration, choking off all immigration um, cauterizes innovation and your ability to grow. But too much integration, I actually think, leads to the rise of nationalism, because if you look at the kind of immigration Mm -hmm. we have now, illegal immigration, the primary benefits are the immigrants and also rich people whose services, the majority of which wealthy people consume, goes down. And the people who've lost the most from illegal immigration have been lower middle class white Americans, and that leads to xenophobia and nationalism and to very bad things. And I actually Mm -hmm. think that, unfortunately, and I've kind of come a little bit full circle, it I think we liberals sometimes have a knee-jerk reaction that, okay, all immigration is good. These people are saints. They should be let in, and we start demonizing the DHS. And I don't think that's mm-hmm. fair. I think it's a much more complicated argument. I think, unfortunately, in 2015, good intentions around people with children were immediately granted. Entrance into the United States has led to wrong incentives where people are grabbing their kids and heading for the border. And if the asylum process takes so long, that if someone melts into the general population, they could be here for years. And that leads to a lot of illegal immigration and a lot of controversy. I think this is a difficult problem. And my sense is we need to stop, as liberals, immediately demonizing 
the DHS and what's going on at the border, because I, I think it's a difficult issue. I think the DHS, the the acting head there, I actually watched him on 60 Minutes. And I think, you know, my sense is he's a decent person doing his level best. Well, I think it's hard to, though. I mean, look, first of all, Trump got to, Scott. That's obvious. But I think it's because of his language. <laughs> no, Poon so did. hateful. His it's, boss got to me. You've been replaced. Yeah. It's like... Uh, it's, Don't kid uh, yourself, Kara. I am all salsa, no chip. <laughs> Sorry, back to the border. Back to the border. You're a Russian plant or a Chinese back plant or a, a GOP plant. I don't know. But one of the problems is that, that it's gotten so ugly from the top of our country. That's why. Yeah, you know what I, I mean? Of course, we should be able to have, you know, intelligent discussions about about how to do immigration properly. But it's made impossible by this lunatic doing the send her back things yep. at those rallies. And, you know, I had a really interesting discussion on this week with Steve Huffman from Reddit, who addressed that issue quite a bit in terms of the Donald on the site. And so he's put them under quarantine. Many people think they should get rid of the Donald, which is devoted to all things Trump, uh, because of their violent tendencies in in the comments, and they're not policing it. And I said, well, what's going to go after quarantine? He said, well, if, if they stay the digital equivalent of what happened at that rallies, I think the outlook isn't very good for the Donald on Reddit, which was really quite something responsible for a tech person to say. It was really, I was surprised by it and also encouraged that he had a point of view and a decision-making apparatus in place. Do you know how Reddit's so, doing? I'm kind of Fascinated. Reddit's an example of something I, I, I just never would have in a million years. Who thought of Reddit? It just seems to me so interesting. He did. I know this guy. I know they did. By the way, I was a can and I mm-hmm. love the fact that the founder of Reddit got held out of this party that I got in. And I'm like, wow, tech billionaires have no pull <laughs> here. But the big dog does. They're letting him in with his ball. <laughs> Anyways. What was it like? It was that guy O'Hanian, the one Cassin that's married party. to the world's greatest tennis player in history, uh, Serena Williams. He's married to her. Yeah, yes. That's it. That's it. Well, Alexis. Alexis couldn't get in? He couldn't get in. He was out there. I'm like, bro, can I help out? Uh, I'm like, can I help you? Can the, do you need yeah. the pull and the cred of the prof? Is that what you need? Oh, Internet my God. founder? This was Steve Huffman, who's the other co-founder. Oh, really? Alexis Ohanian is one of them. But, you know, it's the idea. I think one of the things that I really was encouraged by was the idea, not just that there is accountability for these sites, and that the way to scale it is to let people run their communities properly and then monitor the communities because that could users scale users essentially and so if you have one main person like mark zuckerberg doing it it really falls apart really quickly if you have a large community of people his feeling was people in smaller groups tend to the good and try to create good communities anyway it was a, it was a great well, discussion it was a surprise it's, it's the wisdom of crowds that isn't fueled <laughs> by an algorithm that's trying to figure out more yeah. engagement and that is i've always thought yeah. that social media is nicotine, which is bad for you, but not terrible. It's addictive, but it's addictive like nicotine. But the delivery system, tobacco is what gives you cancer. And I've always thought social media is nicotine. In and among itself, it's addictive, but not that bad for you. What the tobacco or the shit that gives you cancer is advertising, specifically the algorithms to encourage more engagement because unfortunately, tribal Rage encourages more engagement. But if you look at, you know, what's a great example of what you're talking about in terms of the wisdom of crowds and self-policing of communities where there isn't an underlying rage machine through these algorithms to fuel more Chobani and Nissan ads is Wikipedia. I mean, technically Mm -hmm. speaking, Wikipedia should have been weaponized. Technically speaking, Wikipedia should be uh, some sort of platform for voter suppression. But the community actually does a pretty good job of pursuing the truth and also recognizing yeah. when stuff is starting to to breach into uh, propaganda versus truth. So unfortunately, I think advertising ruins everything. Advertising, that's your business though, isn't it? 
And now a word from ZipRecruiter. <laughs> I'm going to do that in a second. But <laughs> this is not the same. I'm not weaponizing yeah, by reading right. it. Um, any other news you think this week? So I have a, I have a question for you. And I wish sure. I'd shown more leadership around this at the time because I thought about it and was asked about it. And like everyone else, I felt like I had to have a re- gag reflex and start vomiting liberal shit. But um, do you think Senator Al Franken should have resigned? Oh, that's interesting. It was a, you're talking about this big story in the in the New Yorker yes. this week by uh, Jan Meyer, Jane, Jane Mayer, Mayer. Yeah, about looking right. back at the people. Yes, uh, I I thought it was a really gripping read in terms of how bad a crowd can go, a mob really can yeah. go against someone. And by mob, I mean politicians in Washington. Yeah. I don't mean online because I think that was the very least of it. Um, it was a really interesting look at the fact that the person who accused him has is a very sketchy personality, and unfortunately, he hit at the exact wrong time at this sort of Me Too moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a lot of people got pulled into that. I think he probably should not have resigned. Yeah. I think it should have gone through the process, you know, the the Senate, whatever the process is for dealing with these kind of violations. And that would have been the best way. And he probably would have stayed in office, would be my guess. You know, a little maybe perhaps removed from the Judiciary right. Committee or something like that, right. but not the full resignation. And I'm surprised he did so and why, you know, why he did so. Obviously, he regretted it in this piece. But I think seven of the 10 people who called for his resignation said they were wrong, which was interesting. Well, and you know who kind of led the crusade and now she's backtracking from that? Gillibrand. That's right. So she could launch her seven-minute run for president, which she's about six (laughs) minutes and 58 seconds into. By the way, talk about someone someone who brightens up a room by leaving it. Senator Gillibrand (laughs) is the least compelling senator in the United States Senate. I'm okay. Literally, really? maybe Come with the exception, maybe the, she's probably the least compelling person on the debate stage, with the exception of De Blasio. You should run for right. president," said no one ever to the mayor here. Literally, <laughs> literally, I'm trying to find any individual in the city he oversees who suggested yeah. he should run for president. I think you he's just do not like your mayor of New oh York. Um, wait, there's going to be debates this week. Are you going to watch them? What's oh, the, I'm hosting a debate like, party. Are you having a? Where, Could that sound any lamer? I'm bored just describing it. P- oh Professor Gao is hosting a debate party. Jesus Christ. That's pretty hard to what? sell that as compelling. Oh, Why? my God. When are these debates? Are they tomorrow? Uh, I don't know when they're. Tomorrow? I think they're next Tonight? week. Are they? Wait, no, wait. So when is it? I don't know when it is. Like soon. Yeah. Okay. The debates are soon. Whenever they're happening, up. I'll be somewhere else. You know, I'm going up to Seattle this afternoon. I'm going to visit Microsoft. For what? What shall I tell the people of Microsoft? For what? What do you have softy for? The most valuable company in the world. I'm going to go visit the CEO, etc. Satya? You know. Oh, just people up so, there. Yeah. People oh, listen to you. Listen to you. <laughs> listen to the coy one. I get invited important oh places God. when I'm not oh chit-chatting with you. Important people that. want to talk to me. Speaking of which, Megan Rapino will be uh, my 400th episode of Recode Decode coming up it? Monday. I know interview? everyone's dying. She's fantastic. Yeah. She's friggin' fantastic. She's I don't need. What's the word beyond fantastic? She's smart. She's engaged. She's funny. She's disarming, as she said she is, and she is correct. If she she could do whatever she wants, obviously, obviously she's been super focused on kicking balls into nets. But uh, real a real leader, I think. I think. Did I say really I ran into her? I ran into her at the uh, Crosby Hotel. Where, you, you did, and I could you not. Didn't, where, where were you? I was at the Crosby Hotel. It's kind of my cheers. It's where okay. I take everyone for coffee. And there's this right. there's this incredibly in shape woman with pink hair and I'm like my gosh who is that I recognize that and the guy's like that's that famous soccer star I'm like that's Megan Rapino." why didn't you say hello because I was intimidated (laughs) there's no way I'm going up to what was I going to go up to hey I know Kara Swisher and you're yes, right. exactly. Yeah. No, That's I exactly right. She actually, when she showed up, she said she was super nervous to be interviewed by me. She was. Yeah, she was I bet. She I bet. She said oh, it. Oh my gosh. She said it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, she's an inspiration. She, this, she's incredibly impressive. Yeah. What do you think she's going to do next? Did you ask her that? 
Or do we have? Yes, to I did. It's all in the podcast, and uh, she's not. She doesn't want to go into politics right now. I think that she could easily pivot into politics. Yeah. Um, but uh, she's writing a book. It just was announced. Uh, Anne Goddard from Penguin is another well-known uh, gay woman. Um, in publishing, is going to publish this book of hers, which is going to be about a lot of things. Yeah. Uh, but I think she'll probably do the circuit. We'll see where she goes from there. She has a clothing business called Re-Ink, huh. which is a sort of gender-neutral clothing, I think. Jutral? Like neutral Jutral? It's the stuff you wear, essentially. <laughs> it's your clothes. No, no. My style, <laughs> my style can be best summarized as, I surrender. <laughs> I give <laughs> okay, but in any or case, aging skateboarder. She's great. I'm I'm going for the aging she, skateboarder look. I think she's in that zone, and yeah. she mix and match and stuff like that. Anyway, it's it's an interesting thing. She's going to do whatever she wants. She's fantastic. Anyway, we're going to take a quick break now, so we can earn some money. Not just Megan Rapinoe can earn some money, uh, but listen to that episode, Scott. You'll really like it a lot. All right, Scott. Yeah, yeah. Wins and fails. Wins and fails. I suspect I know what yours will be to this week. What? Do you, what? Tell me. Wow, I'm curious. I don't think I don't think you're going to guess either of them, or maybe you will. Uh, should do you want a fail or a win? I would like a fail to start with. So my fail is more information regarding the actual settlement behind the five billion dollar FTC fine against Facebook. Granted, they yep. thought you know you can see the narrative there. This is the biggest fine ever, beating their chest. But the reality is they become a co-conspirator in what is yep. supposed to be a countervailing force in private power. And one of the elements of the settlement that no one seems to be reporting on is that part of the agreement is the FTC has agreed to indemnify Facebook against all activities previous to June 19th. So look at it this way. Imagine the FTC was an insurance company and Facebook was an individual worth $573 billion. And the insurance company showed up to the individual and said, you know what? I can issue you an umbrella insurance policy. And there are the umbrella insurance policies. Rich people buy them. Anything bad happens to me, someone slips and falls, I get prosecuted for something, and you cover all the costs just so I can sleep better at night because I'm rich and who knows what can happen. And people come after, quite frankly, are rich <laughs> people. So any person worth $573 billion that an insurance agency called the FTC would give them for $5 billion and 1% of their net worth would hit that bid. So the FTC has become an insurance mm -hmm. policy or an insurance provider offering their customer, Facebook, a great deal. This was high five. So what would that do? What would it do? Indemnify them for what? It means that if, if the FTC, if all of a sudden we find out that Cambridge Analytica was a walk in the park and that Facebook was doing much worse things, the, the FTC can't go after Facebook. They indemnified them. They're, they've, they've basically been given immunity almost from anything that they've done up until Once again. now. It really is um, disheartening. And uh, anyway, so my lose, my lose again is this element, the indemnification of Facebook from previous acts of negligence or illegal behavior issued by the FTC. The headline that kind of summarizes all of this is Facebook fined $5 billion but does not have to admit to any wrongdoing. I mean, that kind of right, and and doesn't really have to do anything that gets in the way of their ability to generate revenue. That's right. Nothing that much. Nothing at all. And back to our prediction: that mm -hmm. stock's going up. It's Stop. going to two hundred fifty bucks. Two hundred fifty bucks. All right. What do you they make of the FTC then releasing a Facebook doing this, which I think was just scammy? That the FTC is going to investigate them for antitrust. I don't think they really are. But the DOJ did say that. What? Do you, how do? You, is that a win then with Macon Delrahim, who is the head of the antitrust division of the Justice Department? Without the discipline of meaningful market-based competition, digital platforms may act in ways that are not responsive to customer demands. The department's antitrust review will explore these important issues. And without naming names, they, were, they weren't talking about Apple. I think it was Google, Facebook, and um, Amazon. Yeah, look, the beginning of the end of these companies, as we know them, is happening. The, the beginning of the breakup has commenced. It may take years, 
but it has commenced. And this goes, and I'm going to skip forward to a prediction, and I'll come back and ask you your wins and fails. But my prediction is that these companies are much more nimble and, quite frankly, very intelligent. And I think we're going to see the breakup start prophylactically. And one of these companies, Amazon, Facebook, or Google, most likely Amazon with AWS, is going to spin one of their divisions prophylactically by the end of the year as a means of staving off. So spin it. Just do it. Which one? Well, the, All right, that's the most prediction. obvious one, and we've talked about this, is AWS, which on the spin would be one of the most 10 most valuable companies in the world. But it could be, who knows? It could be Facebook and WhatsApp. It could it could be YouTube being spun. Who knows? But we're going to mm-hmm. see a spin. YouTube. We're going to see a sp- I'm going to go for you YouTube like because YouTube? I don't, I, I've interviewed the Amazon CEO he says of no, AWS, right? and he keeps saying no, and, I, and he's not much of a liar. So well, it's not up to him. Very strongly saying there's no. only one person that gets to decide that oh and by the way i know that. by the way i love this uh did you hear this did you see this that amazon despite the fact they were chased <laughs> out of new york has is investigating being, being the largest customer of WeWork in new york they're <laughs> talking about uh, leasing from WeWork a five or ten thousand strong person office here in new york so again worst poker players in the world Governor Cuomo and Mayor de Blasio, who didn't need to offer Jeff Bezos anything uh, to come to New York. He's come to New York. He's purchased a $60 million apartment, and they are hiring like crazy here with zero subsidies. So the way I see it is New York taxpayers, because of the leadership of City Councilman Michael Giannaros, this councilman who just said, no, this is bad. Instead of New York's taxpayers having to subsidize Jeff Bezos moved to New York, it's going to be SoftBank subsidizing it through WeWork, which is a train wreck. We wreck. By the way, <laughs> my brain is literally, I can't stop it right now. What did you think? Adam Newman has sold $700 million in stock. I don't think a lot of it. Oh my God. I've asked many people about That's this. That's the mother of all sell signals. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. No, you buy my stock, but I'm going to sell $700 million worth. That's a lot. I think I interviewed two VCs this week, and both of them were like, that's, that's crazy. crazy. They said it in a nicer way, but they were like, that seems problematic. Yeah. You know? I thought he was Argentinian I, because he's so handsome. He's actually Israeli. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. So what is the sign that that brings, $750 Because they were talking about like giving a couple million dollars to people to buy homes yeah. and stuff like that. Well, this is a well, lot. Well, this is, this is, quote, unquote, our learning more moment. So secondary sales. And it, it, a lot has changed. Let's go big picture here. Let's go big picture. Right, okay. Okay, okay, like on heroin. So in the 90s, entrepreneurs were seen as crazy and we were necessarily evil and we got kicked out until Bill Gates built a company to $100 billion. And Steve Jobs, after being kicked out for, quote, unquote, the gray hairs, came back and then set a company on, on a chart to become the most valuable company in the world. All of a sudden, entrepreneurs become key DNA, and now we have too much credit. And part of VCs differentiating themselves or their term sheets when they try and finance a small company is they say, you can take some money off the table. I did a secondary yeah. sale at L2. When we raised money, we didn't need that much. The VCs wanted to put more capital to work. But this is what we did. It wasn't so much money that we could say to somebody, well, I'm clearly not interested in this company, but it was enough money to diversify, take some chips off the table. And what the CEO of L2, that's right, the big dog, said to all his employees- <laughs> What did you take out? To all his employees is we can all sell exactly 17% of our vested shares. And my question to all WeWork employees is the following with equity. 
Did Adam Newman offer you the same opportunity to sell the exact same proportion of your shares that he sold? Because there is some validity to the notion that the innovation economy is a conspiracy between the investors and the CEOs. So we work employees. Were you able to sell shares and diversify and buy real estate as your CEO, Adam Newman, who tells you to show up every morning and work your ass off because he believes in a great future of a company where 700 million times he has decided to get the fuck out of Dodge and sell? Yeah, it's a lot of money. It's a lot of that's a, a lot, lot of cabbage. Money. It shouldn't Kara. even be. It, they shouldn't have those numbers. That's it's a crazy amount of sale. It just it, it calls attention to itself. It makes people scrutinize the business plan of which you have scrutinized many times. It's just, it just gives tech a bad name. And it, they did it before Groupon. Remember the Groupon yeah. sale? There was one. You know how that ended? Yeah, not well. Not well. Not well. Not well. So you're not you're well. How much did you fail? take out? I, how much is that for that nice apartment that you have? Do you take out a lot of money? Uh, for you mean when I took out out of L two? What do you mean? Yeah. I, I did a secondary sale, and then we sold the company. Yeah. 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 Okay. All yeah. right. Okay. But I, I think it's fine to do that on some level, but it, it been in the massive amounts. Um, I would say I was really enjoyed, as I said, this interview with uh, Steve Huffman, and I really enjoyed him talking about the thing I talked about. But he also, when I interviewed him, we're going to play a little clip. Uh, I asked him about what he thought about the inquiry, the, the DOJ inquiry, and what he'd like to see in the way of tech regulation. And here is what he said. Would I love to see the government, like, F, our largest competitors? Yeah, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. that'd be great. That'd be amazing. <laughs> uh, okay, that's the best answer I've gotten for a long time. Um, look, I, I, look, there's, it's a conversation. They're going to F, definitely. your largest competitors, but go ahead. Um, and I, honestly, I hope they do it for the right reasons. Okay, I thought that was really smart. I think the right reasons were you don't do it because it's a partisan thing yeah. and that you do it carefully and thought out, and not just because you, you know, you're Ted Cruz and you think there's some conspiracy against conservative voices, but if they do it in a smart way in order to promote innovation and do the proper kinds of regulation. Because companies like uh, Steve was making the really good point, I think he was super smart about it, that you know here's Facebook not able to handle its content problems and they're quantumly smaller and they're starting to handle them or trying to get a handle on them. So I think he was trying to go against the argument that these too big to fail idea, which is I think what big companies are promoting, is just so much bullshit. And so I really enjoyed that. I thought that was a real win to think about it that way. And I hope people in in Washington understand how to do it correctly. I'm not sure they can do it in this mental state, you know, I mean, that they're in in Washington with the partisanship. But that's a win. Okay, a fail this week. God, there's so many things. Just these hearings. Yeah. I just think it didn't get through what needed to get through, which are the critical things. And we are going to continue to – it just feels like this one-upmanship with these idiot tweets back and forth. And it gives people a sense that, you know, you're sort of in an endless game of like Star Wars, an endless movie of Loop Star Wars, and Darth Vader keeps winning. And so I think it takes the energy out of people for fresh new ideas. Um, so I think that's uh, that's the problem. I feel some days, you know, like you said, waking up. I don't want to hear about Dear Leader anymore. I want to just do something good. Yeah. So my win you know. is um, Jane Meyer, this piece in The New Yorker. And I think it hopefully has catalyzed the important conversation we need to have around calibration around this issue. I was on Yahoo mm-hmm. Finance last week and they had pictures and it said scandal. And they put up pictures of all these CEOs who had been um, forced to resign. And one of them had been guilty of a consensual relationship with a woman who worked at a vendor, which was inappropriate. Mm-hmm. He didn't disclose it. Conflict of interest. He was fired. And another CEO on the screen was inviting women into his office and then attacking them. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's a difference. There's a difference. Yeah. And I feel as if we're finally starting. And also... You know, it's really Democrats. We never miss an opportunity to miss an opportunity. Who do you think the most effective voice 
against Donald Trump is right now in the Democratic Party? Oh, I don't know. There's different ones. Different people are different times. Um, Who's the most effective? Uh, Nobody. (laughs) Nobody. I think Al Franken would be the most effective voice against Donald Trump right now. And what have we done? We had a guy who I don't know what he did, if he played grab ass, if he didn't, if he should be stripped of his committee or not. Clearly, there was some inappropriate behavior here. But the most effective voice against a guy who's been accused 21 separate times, 21 separate times, we have taken him out of circulation. And it's just, what on earth are we Democrats thinking, removing Al Franken? What on earth were we thinking? I just, it's a talk about idiocy. Talk about shooting yourself in the foot and then sticking your gun in the mouth. Anyways, my win is Jane Mayer and for her article in The New Yorker, I thought it was a, I, I thought it was a really thoughtful piece. I was talking to the editor of Recode this week. Going back to stories is always like, did it really happen that way? And really doing a smart later take is something journalists don't do enough. But I thought that was perfect. And Jane has done a lot of really amazing reporting on Me Too also, right? by the way, FYI. And so has The New Yorker around the very serious behaviors by um, Harvey Weinstein and everybody else. Uh, You know, Ronan Farrow did a whole bunch of that. So anyway, so I like I agree with you. That was a great piece. Now, prediction, Scott, you sort of made one, but you were right Twice. You were right twice. Go Why don't you on. tell us how, you, how right go you were? On. I'm sorry. Say <laughs> First more. First of all, say more. go ahead. First of all, Lion King made almost $600 million worldwide so far, even though looks pretty creepy. Uh, Disney is review proof, as you said so. Yep. That, that is was correct. The, one. The, the, the other one. Right, was, what's the other one? The other one? one was the gangster prediction. Let's pause for a moment. Yeah. What did the big dog? Mm-hmm. Well, the big dog is more thoughtful. The big dog just doesn't jump yeah. on the counter and eat that cupcake. He thinks. You're geopolitical, That's Scott. That's right. You're geopolitical. Can we roll tape? Let's go. It's difficult to, um, it could be anything. It could be Russia deciding to like, quote unquote, do a soft invasion of one of their neighbors. It could be another missile being launched by North Korea, another test. It could be the Iranians spinning up their uranium again. I mean, all sorts of stuff. I'm pretty sure it's not going to be Canada. I'm pretty sure <laughs> Justin, it's not going to be Justin Canada. Justin Trudeau's not doing so well. There. He might need something. Yeah, that guy's, that guy, I don't know. That guy's great. Yeah. I anyway, he might guy. need to do something. Yeah. Might need to make some some flex. Take over Minnesota. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Minneapolis is ours. Tomorrow belongs to me. <laughs> oh, good God. Scott. That's right. So North How did you Korea. To throw a Nazi, there Justin Trudeau, in Minnesota well, in one statement. The Canadians are coming. Sean Mendes is coming to the Barclays Center, and he has me and my eight year old under a trance. That's a soft invasion. That's Putin coming to the Ukraine. Sean Mendes on All right. Tour. There's no Canadian troops in Minnesota right now that but we know we, of, but, you know, of, bingo right. on this. Bingo. One of the predictions we said was that North Korea could launch missiles. Two missiles launched. It's only going to get worse. And who was in Korea at the t- South Korea at the time? I don't know. So National Security Advisor John Bolton. Oh my gosh! Who has been talk you know, about, saying don't cooperate with? Talk these about people. waving the middle finger in the face of the U.S. Oh my yeah. gosh! Yeah. yeah. So, anyways, people sense weakness and more to come. But my prediction was for this week. Prediction was uh, by the end of 2019, we're going to see a spin, a large spin of a company that will be one of the 20, if not one of the 10 most valuable companies in the world. Right, you're not going to be more specific because that's like a real wide one. That's like saying someday you probably will die of a heart attack, something like that. Give me a larger, give me a specific one. I say it would be YouTube. What do you say? Kira, that hurts my feelings. That okay, hurts my feelings. I want, the, I want, the, I want a name. Uh, AWS. I want a name. AWS. Regardless of what your your pal says. By the way, he has no input. It's not my pal. Well, Andy Jassy. Regardless what? of what Andy Jassy says, I think AWS is going to be spun. All right. I'm going to go with YouTube. All right. So let's see what happens. Nice. There'll probably be something over nice. at Facebook. I like we'll it. We'll see. 
No, he's integrating the companies together so you can't pull them apart. He's like stitching them At together. At Facebook? With really, yeah. yeah, they're encrypting it. And he, I think he's genuinely a sociopath and doesn't think, he thinks he's immune from any sort of scrutiny. I don't think he's worried at all. Well, he did give a speech saying, now, now we are accountable. Oh, he yeah. His troops oh, yeah. That, that showed him. <laughs> that showed him seven weeks of cash flow. Oh, my gosh. He must be reeling. <laughs> Do you realize the stock went up $8 billion in value the day that fine was announced? Oh, I, I've just, The empire strikes I've had back. It. Scott, I'm going to. That's it. I'm using Instagram for four hours, not five today. I've had it. I've had it. I put a picture. I put a Megan Rapino picture on Instagram. I haven't been on there for six, Ooh. eight months, and I did. Really? I just had to. You had to. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to listen to that podcast. I'm going to listen. You should. Yeah. It's Monday. You'll love it. She's yeah. a lot of fun. She's very fun. She tried really hard not to curse in front of There's a lot of children there. Uh, down, there. It was an event and there was a lot of people brought their kids and he tried, might, I, me too, had tried mightily not to curse it, and we both failed at yeah. that. But otherwise, yeah. Good. We lesbians are a pretty tough crew. It's really, we, we're doing rather well. Anyway, we've got to go. I was sent a Jeff Bezos doll this week. I don't know why, but it arrived at my house along with a small robot. So I'm going to go play with that right now. Anyway, I'm only using I that. I got the because... same one. Did it, I got someone sent me the same one. The one who looks really buff and he's like in a down vest. Yeah. And What's he has going? a robot I think it's dog. probably a listening device yeah. that we is now in our home. That's what I think is happening. Jeff Bezos is listening via his voodoo doll device. Yeah, I don't know. That guy's jacked. That guy's definitely yeah. like, oh, another billion, another cycle of Android or whatever the athletes yeah. say. Anyways, Kara, yeah. where are you going to be this but week? Anyway, I want you to listen to Jason Del Rey's new Amazon podcast called Land of the Giants. You oh, he's like the guy who wrote the four, right? Oh, no, that was me. Thanks for asking me to host that fucking podcast. Yeah, Jason. You know what? Jason we'll Del, who gives a shit? Which one do you want? You'll get have Facebook. So we'll Del figure Ray. it out. What we- does he have other than credibility, looks, and journalistic integrity? Write a book. Okay. Write a book and then call All me right. about you Big Tech. You can host one if you want. It's a very hard yeah, job. You'd have to work know, and stuff and we're like grabbing that. dinner you know, and pontificate. we're going to interview a candidate. It's, tease, tease, tease. He has lots of great interviews. He interviewed uh, Mary Meeker. He interviewed lots of people. It's going to be great. He did yeah, interviews okay. with people. You've heard of those. And I'm going to bring you, I promise you, I'm going to bring you into a presidential thing. So I'm, I'm working on them. I think we've got a lot of them. So I'm going to send you an, a text on the choices that you have, and you have to show up and do the interview with me. All that right? could be literally one of the weakest flexes in the world. I could end up in a room with like self-help guru Tulsi Gabri, whatever the hell her name is, Tulsi and she Gabber. could talk to me. She could talk to me about my anger, and I'm sitting there like, hold me, Tulsi. Well, you have Tulsi, liked Tulsi. you have selected Biden. If we get him, it's not out of the question. Uh, who yeah. else? Who do you Uncle Joe. say? Who you wanted? Joe. I'm definitely going to turn around and kiss him on the back of his head and say, you should take this gesture within the intention it was given to him. <laughs> Don't you touch. You are not to touch not any to touch president, president, Democratic president. presidential candidate with your body in any way. OK, yeah, that's no. going to be the rule of interviews. I am too insecure for affection. You will not I am touch too them. You will not affection. hug them. You could admire their hair if you'd like, but only verbally. Yeah. Okay? OK, we have rules at Vox Media. And that I'm is taking affection back here. Seriously, I think there's something around. Males taking affection back that in our society, males yeah, who are affectionate, we're seen as one, either using it as a vehicle to get sex or that it expresses some sort of homosexual tendencies, which isn't a bad oh, thing. God. But you know what? I think men should take affection back. I think affection is take a wonderful thing. Take it back. Thing, what you, what you, we're not allowed to be affectionate anymore. Uh, we are not allowed to be affectionate. Oh, stop. The men are totally. victims. I Listen, I was just with my 14-year-old son. It's the same thing. Men are victims. I got it. I got the news. Not so, take it back. not happening. Let's take it back. I can't no. wait to see you and hug you. Okay. I cannot wait to see you and hug you, Kara. We're gonna, and kiss the, the back of that beautiful black you, hair. 
touch my hair. Oh, just, my God. That Megan Rapino hair. You have definitely got to dye it pink. I'm going to have Megan. You know, if you did that to her, you know what would happen to you. You'd get a kick, a very oh, strong I would, kick. I would be way too weird. intimidated. You should you definitely dye your hair pink. I'm not dying. That would be so awesome. No. No? No. Why don't you dye your hair pink? (laughs) Oh, go on. On that note, I'm going to go. Today's show was produced by Camila Salazar and Eric Johnson. Nishat Kurwa is Pivot's executive producer. Thanks also to Eric Anderson, Rebecca Castro, and Drew Burrows. Make sure you subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts if you like this week's episode. Leave us a review. If you have any suggestions for what you want to hear us talk about on the future show, send us an email, pivot at voxmedia.com. Thanks for listening to Pivot from Vox Media. We'll be back next week for another breakdown of all things tech and business.